This episode is powered by Tom DeLeo Day Financial Planning Services. On today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I made sure as I was a teenager, I did everything from dance, ballet, tap dance, church choir. I literally lived at church. I did everything. NAACP, I was in, involved in everything as a teenager. Um, and it was amazing. Um, I think that's, I, I would say out of all my years, that was the best years of my childhood. I was This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on ladies' night, focusing on self-care for black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting close to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hey, Diamond. How are you? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I am well. Again, you always look beautiful tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. You too. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So whenever you all are coming in, I want you to give Diamond some love. Give me some love. Say hello. Please type where you're coming, uh, where you're commenting from, what state you're in, what gym, what gym you're from, because... I know a lot of, I'll let you tell what Jimmy is, but I know you, Diamond gets a lot of love on her social media. So definitely come in and say hello. And also, if there are any light bulb moments, anything that made your soul vibrate, please put your light bulb emojis in the comment section so we know which direction we're going in. 
and there's a treat. I have dropped a link to Diamond's book, but we'll talk about that. that that's at the end of the podcast. Diamond, 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 where do I start with you? <laughs> Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm going to let everybody know who I am talking to. Okay. Diamond is a mentor. She's a social worker. She's a fitness influencer. She's an author. Yes. I want to say you're a model because looking at your Instagram page, I mean, <laughs> yes. can I put a model in that? And I'm yes, very serious. Oh, well, yes. there we go. I'm owning it. <laughs> well, you do look like one. Your pictures are dope, girl. Thank you. But do you mind telling our listeners about you? You know, like, what do you do? And just the essence of Diamond. Okay. Um. Well, my name is Diamond Cash. That is my birth given name because I always get that. Always, all my life, I've always gotten that. Is that your real name? Yes. It's Do you know that was on my list to ask you? It's like, is, is that your government, the government name? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. damn. Okay. <laughs> my uh, birth given name. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm originally born and raised um, out of Detroit, Michigan. And I currently reside and I work and serve in Atlanta, Georgia. And um with that being said, I, I do social work. Everything that she said, I am a social worker. I work um, on in the entity of children and families. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I do, I work with foster children, um, youth that um, are at risk, the most vulnerable. And um, I basically do a lot of advocacy work with them, um, with their families. I've had um, past experience as um a case manager um, working oh. in foster care and in adoptions. Um, however, I don't practice in the entity now. Um, what I practice in is I'm a consultant with the state. And basically what I do is I consult with the foster care program to ensure that the educational rights of youth in foster care are at being advocated for and that they are promoted um, so that they can have normalcy as regular children in the school system. You know, I think we may know we have a mutual person we know, which I will not say on the air, but <laughs> the more you're talking, I was like, you mm, may know this person. Okay. Because so they're I'm in that same circle. Yeah, yes. we'll talk after the show. Just okay. stay on. Yeah. Yes. Um, I do have um, experience in social work. Um, I first started off working with the homeless population, um, serving with the, those persons who are experiencing homelessness. And I started in Detroit as well as in Atlanta, um, as really? well as serving with um <laughs> young women and young girls who are were survivors of domestic minor sex trafficking, human trafficking. Um, and mm. I enjoyed serving in that population. Um, I think it is not for the faint at heart. I was going to ask you that. How, how does that, how, how, like what's a work day for you when it comes to that? I did it while I was in grad school. Did you and I really? Was going to school full-time grad school, um, I would leave, you know, school and go straight with the girls and work with them. And I, I was 
I worked in the residential setting, but I was also their life coach. So I worked with um, them to help um, rehabilitate them back into the community where they won't um, resort back into that lifestyle or find it find wow. that purpose to go back in there, especially if they got older, you know, the, all they know is fast money. And so um, just helping them um, find purpose and empowering them. So I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think one thing that I enjoyed the most was seeing how the girls came in and how they left. And um, what did and- that look like? How they came in and how they left, like their um, mindset their mindset, the way that they function, the way that they um, communicated, the way that they had um, confidence about themselves. Um, and just even looking at some of the girls now, they're grown and they are doing amazing things. Like they're doing, majority of them are doing amazing, great things um, for themselves. And I, and I even say amazing, great things that they have children and they're caring for their children or they're just maintaining a job. And, you know, that's big. That's right. it, or you know, getting their um, high school diploma, or their yeah. bachelor's, or their associates, or even investing in a trade—that is amazing to me. Especially wow. coming from where they came from, I remember just how they came in and how you know it, the low self-esteem. It was it was there. The um, the feeling of worthiness was was there and just to see how they feel empowered about themselves now and how they you know where they hear how they smile is amazing how does it make you feel when you see their shift like that one moment like oh they got it um well some of them i'll say because this is just social work and so forth social work education any any type of field where you're working and serving people you have to come to the realization that you're not going to be able to help everybody. You're not going to be able to save mm-hmm. everybody. But just seeing that one little change is mm-hmm. amazing. And I'm, I mean, just even myself, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a church. And so right. um, how I worked with the girls, it was a Christian, in a Christian setting which I had that free range to do. So a lot of times just putting mindfulness, putting different techniques of, yeah. um, of just reminding them who they are and who they are. And just even like now they're grown. It's so, I, I never would have thought it would happen, but just seeing how some of them call me or they text me or they reach out to me on email and say, Miss Diamond, do you remember the song you taught us? Or you remember, what's the name of that song we used to listen to every morning or every time we got up in the morning? Cause I was sometimes coming in the morning right? and it's six o'clock and get up, let's listen to some gospel music and, um, or we'll be riding the car like I'm still fun loving, still hype, still the girl from the hood. But at the same time, um, at the end of the day, I wanted them to see, hey, yes, I I have a side of me, you know. Hey, I listened to, I grew up in the hood. I I know what <laughs> two chains. I, I was still relevant with them, but at the same time, I knew I wanted them to see my growth. And that's not even just with those girls. It's with girls I worked with that had severe mental health it challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, or even my um, my foster care kids. And I, mm-hmm. I, I call all of my, my kids and my babies. Right. They, it was my responsibility to make sure that they had some type of support. And so even with them, they knew, hey, Miss Diamond should turn up with us. Everything like as far as dance, I'll try to get to know what the lingo is because I have to stay in the loop too. But at the end of the day, they knew how far they can go with me. 
right. they knew, they knew um, where they can come to me at when it came to, you know, just even talking about real life issues or mm-hmm. just about, um, you know, their relationship with God. So it sounds like you were holy and hood, right? <laughs> <laughs> pray for me. Don't play with me. <laughs> yes. I like yes. that one. <laughs> yes. I, I, I would say, luckily, I had the best of growing up. And I think that, you know, seeing both of those sides, you know, have my family's dynamics. Right. I think that was just a part of it. And I grew up in the church. I lived in the church. So mm. um, I could tell you every hymn, <laughs> everything. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, I'm just thankful that um, one thing that my pastor said to me when I was a little girl, and he said to this day, we are not... Um, we are not perfect people, but we're one of God's best. And that's how I look at my life every mm. day. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm not holy than thou art. I'm not that. No, I know God. I know who he is. I talk to him every day. I love him every day. Right. I pray to him. I'm big on my relationship. Um, but at the same time, I think that his, you know, he has provided me protection and um, healing. And he has mm. guided me from out of situations that I probably would have not made it out of right but at the same time i'm realistic and at the same time i want to be able to come to somebody come as they are i want i want to come as i am and i want you to come as me as you i are. love that mm-hmm. and i believe that's why the sisters young sisters connected with you because mm-hmm. you accepted them as they as they are and vice exactly. versa exactly. and they're not striving for perfection that takes no. away a lot of the pressure no at all <laughs> Hello, we have a comment from Blind Hi Blind Guy and his wife. She said, Holy and hood is a thing. <laughs> she said, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you need to check out her channel. She's so oh, yes. soft spoken, but she looks like she can get it up too. I'm- <laughs> Connect with me. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going to move forward. Okay. But before we move forward, I just want to post this for everyone that, um, hold on, let me do one thing. That, um, yeah, we'll just leave that up for now. So going forward, we're going to set a trigger warning just because some stories that Diamond and and myself may share, may be disturbing to some or not, but just know that viewer, listener discretion is advised. Moving forward, I'm going to read, uh, oh, here it is, from Diamond, Empowered Queens. Mm -hmm. So, Empowered Queens is a mentoring program that engages women from various walks of life to support, educate, and empower one another to overcome many adversities challenged in their lives needed for success and further empowerment for the next generation of young girls. And you are in it to win it with that program. Yes. Do you want to explain what is this? Okay. Well, actually, and I think that this is important 
because uh, Empower Queens Mentoring Program, I started in 2016 and I started actually with one of my friends that, um, one of my best friends. And I started it because um, of the fact that we both were life coaches. We both worked with mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, girls in Atlanta and her story and my story was just like bomb. And so, um, of course, we both went through our whole fitness journey. And I think it's important because as black women, we go through those phases of being there for everybody else that we forget to be there for ourselves. Yes, ma'am. And that's what happened between us. We were still best friends, but it was like shift as far as career change with one of my friends. And then for me, it was a shift in far as my position where that happened as well as just I needed to come to, I needed to have a come to Jesus moment with myself because, you know, being working in the field of social services, you're always there for everybody else. And mm-hmm. when you work in that, that population, a lot of times you work in that population within your own family, within your own home, within your own um, personal um, connections. And so for us, for that, for us, we both decided that, Hey, we're going to take a break. Um, and the other piece of it was conflict of interest, which is something that is big in mm-hmm. the field of social work. Um, when I first started Empower Queens Mentoring Program, I wanted to work with these girls. However, um, because of the the entity that I work in, it would have been mm-hmm. hard to reach to that population, right? Because they, most of those girls, are have some type of affiliation with foster care. Um, or, you know, just child welfare services. And mm-hmm. so I was just like, at that point, I was like, I'm over it. I, I don't right. know how I'm going to do this. I felt like I lost sight of everything. And um, it wasn't until um, I actually started connecting with other women, the women that said, hey, we want to jump on board. We want to be on your board. We want to support you. Right. We want to mentor. And so I'm meeting, I'm having, because I like to get to know people. And I feel like if you're going to represent me, if I'm going to be connected to you, if you're going to be connected to me, I need to know who you are, how you have gotten to this place of womanhood right now mm-hmm. to be in my my alignment. And when that happened, I realized that some of the women that I was connected to, that I had just connected to, that asked to be a part of my program, a lot of them were women who were sexually assaulted um, mm-hmm. or sexually abused as children who were either molested, raped. And um, with that. So, so Diamond, can, excuse me, Diamond. Can you repeat that last part again? Because your, your screen froze. And I don't want anybody to miss anything that you're saying. Okay. So we were having brunch and Mm -hmm. we were having brunch. I had realized we were having a heart to heart moment brunch. This is the beginning of the pandemic. This is in January of last year. I um, decided after hearing all these stories, I was, and I think late at night, my creativity mode sparks at night. I was thinking, (laughs) and I said, what is God trying to say? I got up in the middle of the night and started writing like, you all these women that you're connected to there's something more in it now at that time i was like i'm over it i don't know what i'm gonna do with my nonprofit. i don't know what i'm doing and i said let me have a brunch with them and i included my mentor and her name is dr janetta mcswain and she is the lady that basically like when i say honestly helped me see my purpose in in this field of social work right um i wanted her to come 
and we had a brunch, a little black dress brunch, um, and it was around eight of us women that was there. And this is right before the pandemic. And in that brunch, tears was coming down faces mm-hmm. um, as Dr. Janetta shared her story. And every empowered so many other women to share their stories of how they were, um, you know, challenged as a child, how they were able to overcome mm-hmm. um, some of their childhood issues. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is confirmation. Mm-hmm. How can I... Or how can we as women go help empower other women when we got stuff that we haven't even dealt with as a whole? Right. And that right there for me was bingo. In order to help the younger girls, we need to help each other. So um, I ended up during the pandemic, I ended up starting working, um, communicating with different women. And um, of course, as the pandemic rolled continue to rise, you know, it put a heart in everything, but I still maintain contact with these women. And, um, it was, um, another entity of that because I did work with girls and I, I will say it has a lot to do with my childhood. Um, I'm a first, first high school graduate, graduate, first college, first associate degree, first master's degree. Wow. As far as my, my mother's children. And, um, I, it's so crazy because some of the girls that were coming to me that I just, just connected to me, a lot of them connected to me through fitness. And so they were like, I want to go work out with you. And I'm like, okay. And then come to find out they're my mentees. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> See? So I'm like, oh, what is, what is going on? But they, you know, they didn't have the sexual abuse history, but they had some, 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 stuff that they knew they didn't want to talk about with me and they wanted to go to college. And so part of, you know, another program that I am getting ready to start because I've been ever since this past school year, I've right. had girls that come to me and say, I want you to mentor me. I want you to help me get through college. And I'm like, whoa, but I remember when, and I remember when I was in um, 12th grade, I had, I had no help. I had no help as far as navigating through financial aid mm. or anything of that nature. And I said, what is God what is what you doing? What? And so for me, I remember that, but I also remember, um, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois and um, Clark Atlanta University and remembering that, you know, you have to have, you know, our motto is culture for service, but also the talented tens, which is, you know, once you obtain your education, you are supposed to go back into that community, help the next person. Absolutely. And so I, I kind of halted on it. And I ended up still helping them. And so um, what I'm getting ready, what I'm doing now is I'm interviewing girls. Um, and I'm only taking a certain number of for me, but I'm also having conversations with some of the other ladies to take on uh, girls to help show them. Because most of the women that are a part of um, my board team are college educated women. And if not, their parents. And so um, their parents, they've been through that. They know what it's like to go through college. They know what it's like to raise a teenager. Right. And so um, with that, that is the next init- the next entity up under that. But the other entity is still collaborating, still get- opening up that shared space, that space where I'm going to be including therapists, including nice. um, um, social workers to come in and have support group. 
once the pandemic is over now i'm going to do virtual i'm gonna have a virtual option where we come together and we talk about you know healing having a support group and supporting one each, one another and building that mentorship where this person is that person's accountability partner and we're working mm. on goals we're working on healing we're making sure hey are you going to therapy hey are you getting this support you know what's what's going on at home and just making sure we have that connected space but also making sure that we are equipping ourselves and putting ourselves first and recognizing that we are survivors but we're still on this road to healing yes that healing circle is real and the i love what you said about the accountability partners i love what you said about checking on each other i love love when you said, hey, are you going to therapy? Yes. All those layers normalizes, which helps the healing. Is that kickstart? Because some people do not or do not have the language on how to ask for help. So that's why I was intrigued by your nonprofit. So we're going to get into that nonprofit. Um, so I'm reading some information and it also said that you all serve the Atlanta community with peer support empowerment services for women and young girls who are survivors of childhood sexual abuse and that are in need of change and personal growth for development. And your mission statement is to provide the mentoring support for those who have been sexually abused. Yes. So what um, I hear your motivation, but you know, what did your childhood look like for you? Well, I would say overall, I would say my childhood, I think it was very, it was transformational. <laughs> I would say that um, it was a childhood full of resiliency. It was some good mm -hmm. times and some bad times, just like everybody else's childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one that I would say was unique in itself. And if anything, um, the one word that I was identify for myself, my life, my who I am is perseverance. And I think that whatever I went through, it was per I, I persevered everything, whether it was good or bad. Right. Um, overall, I would say it was just it was just a transformation because I look at how I was at this age and now at that age, and I just look at it, you know, different ages of de development for me and mm -hmm. I was like wow I was able to do this and I was able to do that as a child um and I would I would honestly say overall I think I had a blessed childhood really that is amazing how from your experience you had with your adversity mm -hmm. it's like walking through the fire and look at you now yeah and for you yeah. to say yeah you can definitely see that you on that healing quest mm -hmm. Because yes. I could not have said that at the time when I, before therapy yes. at all. Yes. I thought I had like, <laughs> at one point in time, I thought I had like the most craziest and delusional childhood. But now that I look back at it, and I'm 32, I'm turning 33 next month. But when I look at it, I, I look at it and I say, I had a blessed childhood overall. Because it's no way that I can make it here. It's no way. And I what was what, what was blessed about it? Um, at the end of the day, I had always had somebody. I had somebody to lean on, and I would say blessed because, as I think, as a child, um, I pray. I pray a lot, and a lot of things that I pray for as a child, every day as a child, 
ended up happening for me. Really? Things that I prayed for. Yes. Mm, wow. Everything that I prayed for. When I look at it today, everything that I prayed for. Wow. I'm talking about years of prayer. <laughs> I, I, I would say it's blessed. That is amazing. How was your support system at that time? Well, um, well, I will say so as um, a young, like toddler years, um, my my mother and my father, um, they were not married, but um, my father died when I was four years old. So mm-hmm. um, uh, my mother, um, she has four children. And so mm-hmm. I have I have twin older, older twin brothers who are around like 11 years older than me. 11 really? years older than me. So okay. yeah, so my mother had to deal with different stages. And <laughs> My mother was a teen mom. So uh-huh. um, her being a teen mom with my brothers, they grew up differently compared to me and my sister. Me and my sister is 11 months apart. But, wow, yeah. really? <laughs> so it was a different age gap for my mother to handle both, you know, sex, um, having basically preteen boys and <laughs> little girls and then teenagers to toddlers. You're dealing with different um, phases of parenting. And so as, um, as a toddler after my father passed even probably like before my father passed my mother had a lot of support from my aunts and my Mm. grandmother was a big support and my grandfather they were all supportive um of my mother um Mm -hmm. because of the fact that you know she needed it and it wasn't until after my father had passed away that Mm -hmm. you know my mother had you know was back at this stage in her life where she was struggling um and we i remember just as a toddler, just moving around a lot as a child, still with our mother, we just moved around a lot. And it was times at that time, my brothers, they helped a lot. They helped as far as raising us and taking care of us. And it was a lot of times I was connected with my brother. So them being teenagers, of course, right. they don't want their little sister, little brother with them all the time. And now that I'm older, I look at it and I'm like, they didn't really want us to come around. But at the same time, um, I was so attached to my brothers. I love being around my brothers. Um, I love being around one of my aunts. She was a, she was around the same age as my brother, and they're all in their forties. And so, um, it was just like I was three and four years old. Uh, I was a three name three what three age or what they call it. I was a teenager at three years old. Oh, <laughs> so, I never heard that term. I was yes. like, hey, what did she say? <laughs> yes, <laughs> when you got those uh, toddlers that act like teenagers, I was one of them. Um, I hung around teenagers. So it was, you know, I had a little bit more exposure to different things as a toddler. I saw my brothers kissing girls and I tell on them and everything, but it was, mm-hmm. it was still fun time. We were, we were poor, but at the same time we were all, you know, still a family. And, um, it wasn't until like around, um, elementary ages where, you know, just, Things just went kind of like solid down here. My mother was working a lot as a single mother. Mm-hmm. She was always working. And so, um, you know, as far as clothing, shelter, food, we had that. But as we got older, I noticed that, you know, the emotional. And I was always that child that wanted to just, hey, I want to show you this. I want to show you that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> be like, calm down, diamond. But um, other than that, I remember just around from elementary all the way to middle school. I remember it was ups and downs as far right. as my childhood goes. Um, I just remember just, you know, having to deal with 
um, bullying, having to deal with. Did you really? Yes. It, that was a different form. And I think at that time, I think I, if I recall, I remember, because um, I went to school, I went to elementary school in the 90s. And I remember just, I remember teachers hit me with the, the ruler. In the <laughs> I, 90s? I still remember one teacher doing that because I did not know how to read. And it was because my mother worked so much that, you know, it was just a lot that was going on. And I just remember getting bullied and teased. Um, and um, because of the fact that I didn't know how to read. And at that time, we would have circle time. Like everybody be in there, circle their desk. And we would go mm. around and read the, the different parts of the book. And I would literally sit there and be like so nervous. I didn't know how to read to the point where I didn't even know where my part was coming up next. Really? And so when it came my part, I just still remember to this day, um, people in the class like this, like, and oh. a lot of my friends from from elementary school, we're still friends to today. And I just remember they be like, oh, like they'll be rolling their eyes, like, oh, she, she she can't read. And I would get so nervous because I didn't know how to read. And I remember one of the teachers pulling me out the classroom, and she was like, she had the book in her hand, a white lady, and she was like, read this. And I'm like, and she's like, read this. And then I remember she was like, you don't know how to read. <laughs> Like, no, you're not doing your job, ma'am. And I didn't know because I was always with my brothers who were teenagers. That all they was thinking about at that time was girls, the new shoe that came out, dancing, going out to the party. That's all they was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were with us after school while my mother was still working. My mother was a cosmetologist, so she always was working. And so I just remember just breaking down. I was like, I don't want to go to school no more because I'm tired of people talking about Yeah. Me. And yes. I, just, I just remember um, my brother I'm begging them. They was outside playing basketball with the neighbors. I said, please teach me how to read. I grabbed every book in the house. I'm like, every book. I'm like, please teach me how to read. I was like, because I don't want to do this no more. I'm tired of people talking about me. And uh, my brothers, they took turns coming in from playing basketball to teach me. I, we had hooked on findings. Like, we had those things, but we didn't know how to use it. I remember just sitting there watching Hooked on Findings and reading the textbook. I still wow. remember the purple book, the carousel book. I remember reading. That was my first book I read. And my brothers just helped me. And then my mom came home. I was like, I know how to say and and the. And I was pointing at the different side words. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, I couldn't wait. When I really learned how to read, I stayed up every night reading books every night. Like, I was just really just trying to make sure I knew how to read. And when mm-hmm. I came to school, I was like, I know how to read. <laughs> everybody in the class, I remember everybody's face looking. And they was like, she know how to read. And then I had to learn how to write because I was left-handed. So you're left-handed. I wrote things the other way. Uh, I had a friend, her name, I'll never forget her name, Tawana or something. I remember her just, she had the prettiest handwriting. I'm like, you teach me how to write like you? And I learned how to write. And then I, of course, if you don't know how to read, you're not going to be able to know how to do math. You're not going to be able to do a science. You're not going to be able to know how to do the instruction. Mm -hmm. And so I did learn and by the time I learned how to read it was like that spring time so wow. um, they you know they I remember like I remember the school called my mother and they said even though Diamond is doing well we want her to stay back to get more of cursive right and that's when they was teaching cursive and to get her back mm-hmm. and I remember crying I'm like please don't make me stay back but mama was like you need to stay back yeah mom was looking out for you yeah. for sure yeah. And I hated it so much. And then after I learned how to read, I taught my sister, my little sister, to read. Mm-hmm. And so both we both were stayed back, um, and we learned how to read. We learned how to write um, and cursive and math and everything of that nature. And I just remember coming back 
to the grade and seeing my sister friends from her class, her classroom, mm-hmm. in my class. And I just remember um, just that's when the teasing started because I was the tallest, the biggest girl in the class. Because- oh, they weren't playing with it then. Yeah. May I read a, a comment right yeah. here? Mm-hmm. This is pretty good. Blind guy and his wife said, oh, wow, that's great to be over 30 years old and to be able to say I had a great childhood. Yeah. Despite the adversity that had happened. I don't regret anything that has happened in my life. I don't. I feel like, and I always say this, I tell people like this, I feel like God wrote my story. I'm just sitting here reading it. And it's going to be some good chapters. It's going to be some chapters that are going to take me out. It's just like a book. You just got to get through the end of it. You got to keep reading. So that's why I say it was a great childhood when I look over the whole chapter of it. Yes, it was a great childhood because I had to learn some stuff. That if I didn't go through it then, I wouldn't have been able to do it now. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear that you you said you prayed a lot, a lot, a lot. But what was the shift? Um, I went to go stay with my grandmother. Um, I went to stay with her. I, well, I lived with my grandmother when I well, was. Excuse me. When I say shift, like what was the shift of your mindset? That's where I'm going with this. As far as when I prayed? Well, not even just praying, just having this outlook on life despite what you went through but you oh. to make you become to overcome of what happened in the past uh, i would say a combination of, a combination of therapy um the support nice. the opportunities in my life the different people that i met nice. as, well as my continued relationship with god like i i have grown a lot with my relationship with God. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But also me, a biggest, a big part of it would be me studying social work. Really? So how does that look? How how does it correlate with each other? Because when I went into, when I went into the social work program at Clark Atlanta University, I remember um, one of the professors, Dr. Charcella Green at Clark Atlanta. I remember the first day we went there and I took a class called working with african-american families and she said you will not pass my class and she's old school she went to clark in sec- during segregation segregated south jim crow so she grew up in jim crow everything mm-hmm. and so she was like you will not graduate this institution and mm. you don't know nothing about your family how can you go and help somebody else's family when you haven't even went through and understood your own family and I was like, whoa, like she said it the first day. And she said, you have to understand where you come from, how you came, what what happened before you. And so that's when she started telling us about her life growing up in under Jim Crow and her where she was able to explain her whole family dynamics that she can that she knew of, right. despite our history being stripped. But her saying that helped me realize, like, whoa, and I in doing the work, doing the projects. I was able to look at my family members a lot different. I was able to look at myself different. And that's what helped me. I love what you said about doing the work. Mm -hmm. It sounds, you know, I say it so much is almost cliche, but I love that term because it took for me to do the work where I started seeing other people differently, family members, Yes, seeing myself differently and how I was talking and relating to my own self. 
Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this on the pod before. There's this book I'm reading. I can only take it in bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's called Adult Children of Emotion. Wait. Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Ooh. Diamond. I'm, you know I'm about to go ahead and order that. <laughs> I will send you the link. I'll put Please. it in the show notes. Oh, Please. my God. I was three pages in. I couldn't even read anymore. Just I was crying. I mean, it. the light bulb moments were just coming just like that. And that's when I had a shift, more of a shift on how I would see some family members. And yes. it just... It, it was, it resonated. So I can only read it in doses, but I am going to finish it because each time, every time I go back and read, even if it's a page, I learned something new mm-hmm. and I have to, I choose to sit in it. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, as you know, the, it, it's, the clarity is something else. And it's so much better than walking around in a fog. Like I'm sure, have you walked in a fog So you get it, you know, but the clarity Mm -hmm. is amazing. I'm going to read another comment from Celeste, the therapist. Hello, Celeste. She said yes to therapy and support. It's huge. Yes. And she also piggyback was saying that the book I talked about is good. And I love to read. So, you know, I can add that to my, I'm reading, um, (laughs) what is I'm reading? What happened to you, Oprah? <laughs> and I, I was like, I gotta add that to my book. <laughs> but I love this book. Yeah. Um. Put the. Can you put that up again so I can take a <laughs> screenshot of it? <laughs> okay. Uh, can you see it? Okay. And it talks about. Uh... Got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And it talks about what. It talks about you know her childhood and how you know have she's with Dr. Perry as well, and so the light skin about, brother. Uh uh-uh, uh no uh, white white guy not Dr. Steve Perry but the other oh <laughs> okay Bruce Perry, and so she's uh they're talking about how you know growing through trauma as you the children and how they go through it and her story you know with her story as as so she talks about it so it's really really good really really good so far I have not finished yet but I'm reading between that and Cicely Tyson's book oh wow okay so blind guy and his wife told you to hold it still so we can see it and buy it and stuff <laughs> she's you know I'm gonna put it in the in the description box right okay. now I will do that so okay. before we get into the the meat of the story with your launch, before we get into that, based on how you grew up, did it affect how you date dated as an adult or in college? Yes, um, it affected it affected it a lot. Um, honestly, I would say that, but because it was around like twelve when I went to go stay with my grandmother, I was. Um, sexual abuse from the ages of eight to 11. Mm-hmm. I went to stay with my grandmother at 12. And I remember just crying about, cause I didn't know nothing about, you know, Christ or anything like that. So I told her, I'm afraid to die. I don't want to be down the ground. I remember she yeah. said, okay, where are you going to go to church with me? And so I started going to church. I, I went and got baptized at 14 years old. Um, I was, I'm really a granny's girl. 
and my granny is my my best friend but at the end of the day like my granny she was always you know that extra support that I had and mm-hmm. so um for me around my preteen teenage years um I was able to flourish a lot more um because the abuse had stopped mm-hmm. um, and so I was able one thing I will say about my mother that I love the most is that my mother was a parentified child she was the child she was the oldest out of my grandmother kids that had to help everybody had to be there for everybody had to cook clean do hair cut hair everything so did she um, meet anybody that you had dated oh yeah 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 oh okay yeah my mother has um but at the same time um she made sure that you know, they, my family made sure as I was a teenager, I did everything from dance, ballet, tap dance, church choir. I literally lived at church. I did everything in NAACP. I was in, involved in everything as a teenager. Um, and it was amazing. Um, I think that's, I, I would say out of all of my years, that was the best years of my childhood. I was being able to teenager, but also my, you know, my mother, um, I would go in my neighborhood at my mom's mm-hmm. house. And so. Um, I was able to hang around kids that was in the neighborhood. I was able to go to parties. I was able to have parties. But at the same time, I knew on Saturday night, I had that party, but I better be at church on Sunday. And so with that, I started dating. Um, I started dating in high school. Um, <laughs> different people, I would take them serious. I was very, like, private. And I'm still that really? way today. Very private because I just didn't want a lot of people in my business. I started um, dating different guys and, you know, just whatever. So I may have you. And then I ended up um, dating. Um, I ended up dating someone in the church. And um, Ooh, I would how say, that? Um, <laughs> I would say, honestly, I would say part of it, I would say most, if anything, I'm very thankful um, to have dated that person because they was there when I disclosed they, i disclosed that i was sexually abused at 18 they were supportive mm-hmm. when i was there um the oh, church that's a was, blessing yeah the church was supportive for me um and when i started dating um i started dating when i was in i started dating that person like towards uh my in my the end of my senior year and when i was in my senior year of high school i i was ready to drop out i was mm-hmm. like at the point giving up and it was the church that kind of like supported me it was my my ex at that time my ex was very supportive all through college I mean I learned a lot um and to this day I'm still connected his family is like my family I still love them deaf I still respect them a lot because they were in a part of my life where I felt the lowest I felt like I was just done so with that being said um, I, that's when I dated and then, um, it was the breakup, my first real, real, real fat breakup where mm. for me, um, just trying to get my life back with college, trying to get the sense of I'm a 20 something year old and I didn't want to date anybody. I, I felt the, the effects of being taken advantage of mm-hmm. to this day, that is probably, I'll say that's the one thing I still, you know, working with therapy. I don't like to be used. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah. like to be taken advantage of. I don't like to ever feel like I'm being used or taken advantage of. And so that's something I'm very hesitant or I'm very mm-hmm. skeptical about when I'm pursuing um, a relationship with someone um, 
are they out here to use me? Don't do too much because they might they might use me or they might just take what I give them and don't thank me. Um, and that's what plays in the back of my head because right. a lot of times it comes back to the effects of being abused. Somebody took something from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are definitely overcoming. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of overcoming, oh, before we talk about overcoming, you know, I like to sip on my coffee, people. So if you'd love to support the creative content that I have, or you'd like to be a supporter of Black girls getting their shift together, or if you'd like to buy me another coffee for my next episode, I'm going to drop the link in the comment section so you can buy your girl some coffee. Why not, right? Damn, I just dropped it. Let me sip on this. <laughs> so, speaking of overcoming, uh-huh. you definitely are overcoming because yeah. you walk through the fire. You're, you're just blossoming now. And now you have a book launch. I believe it's October 8th. Yes, October 8th is for my candle. I launched it earlier for everybody. So it was kind of, I launched it on my mother's birthday on September 2nd, the physical book. I'm going to launch the Kindle version on my birthday, October the 8th. But I did it um, on my mom's birthday, which she was so surprised. She didn't even know. And I was like, oh, hey, that is so <laughs> kind. Oh, my God. Look, I just took a screenshot of that. Mm-hmm. So... I dropped I dropped the link to your book. Can you tell people about your book called Overcoming Affirmations for Your Success? Yes, so my book my book Overcoming Affirmations for Your Success it actually started um in 2017, I was going through, and I will say honestly, I was going through post-grad depression, mm-hmm. um, working, first time working in the field of social work, depression. <laughs> and I was so busy being there for everybody else that I had to take in the time. My health was getting, I, I yeah, my health was getting horrible. Like, it was horrible dealing with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, really? Gain, yes weight gain like crazy when I moved to Atlanta I had just went through weight loss um and when I came here going to school full-time working three jobs I didn't work out for four years Mm -hmm. where when I when I was living in Detroit I was working out and people would see me I think I came home I went home July 2017 I went home to visit my family and I remember my cousin said what is going on your face he was like everybody was like what is diamond what are you doing i'm like y'all was in school all this time and i was like it's nothing i kept like whatever it's nothing and it wasn't until i went to the doctor and my OBGYN, and she was like we've done everything that we can do with your pcos i've done everything i can do and i remember her having this heart to heart with me and she said you got your nails done you got your hair done your face like my doctor was real <laughs> your face beat <laughs> she was like you come here with all these these cute jeans on and you mean to tell me you don't have time to work out or to even drink water and i was like looking at her like who is she talking to and i was like oh yeah i'm not coming back to her that night, I remember it sat in my head, and I was like, "Why?" Is I, it bothered me because she gave it to me so real. And that next day, I was in the grocery store. 
buying food. I had a thing full of Oreos and I was with my niece. And I remember one of my friends posted up her weight loss results. And she was like, I'm going to this gym and in Atlanta. And I'm my friend, she's a teacher. And she got two kids, a single mother. I'm like, okay, this is my friend. I know, you know, we know each other. I know she's very budget friendly because she has her own nonprofit. Right. And so I caught her in the middle of Walmart. And I said, where are you going? I was like, how much it will cost? And so she was like, well, I'll go here. I'll go to Effect Fitness in Atlanta. She was like, only cost this much. And she's like, you can go as many times as you want to. And I said, okay. I'm like, I did boot camp before. I was like, I guess I'll go with you. She's like, you want to go with me tomorrow? It was the Saturday when I caught her. Sunday mm-hmm. morning we went. And I remember going. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, this is not for me. Um, but I was like, okay, I got to stick to it. I got to do it. Um, the next day, because she is a teacher and she's a single parent. So the next two days, she she like, I can't come. I got to come at this time. And a part of me wanted to be like, well, I guess I'm going to come home. Then I said, I was driving in the car and I said, no, you got to go. Like you planned on going. And so I went and then that night I said, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Cause I had to pay a membership. It was coming to that time where I had to pay my membership because you only get so many free. And so I said to myself, I got to do this. I got to do this. Um, especially, you know, I'm getting older and the chances of fertility were very low at that time. Cause I wasn't having cycles and everything. And I was like, I got to do this. Mm-hmm. I've always been a writer. And that's why I released the book on my mother's birthday was because that's one thing. My mother, my mother has a, gift right now. I used to always sit there and read her writings. But she always said she always encouraged me to to write. She mm-hmm. always has. She always bought me journals. She always bought me diaries. She That's always bought me nice. books. And so for me, um I just said I gotta start journaling. I gotta go to therapy. I gotta get this help. And I I ended up starting writing and I started writing affirmations um to myself about, you know, what I need to work on. And the first thing was change. The, I think that's my first chapter was change. My first, my first mm. entry is change in my book. The second one is letting go because I had to let go of friends. I had to let go. of Oh, that resonates. The letting go. I was just talking to somebody during lunch today yes. about yes. letting go. Yes. Uh, I'm going to read um, a comment. Blind guy and his wife said, that's accountability on your doctor's part. Light bulb emoji. She was not letting you just walk around being cute, but crippled inside. Yes. Yes, I agree. And she she said, she was like, I can take your money. But, and that's, for me, it spoke numbers to me. Even with how, you know, I picked my medical, to this day, my medical team. I don't want a doctor that's going to put me on prescription medication all day or that's going to mm-hmm. tell me to keep coming back. Even when it comes to my dogs, I and I'm such an advocate for HBCUs because I went to HBCU. So most of 90%, 97% of my, my medical team, even including my dogs, are HBCU medical professionals. I love so it. So for me, it's me giving back to another HBCU because at the end of the day, they have to pay back their student loans or whatever. So they have to pay back to that school. But also mm-hmm. it's me knowing that I'm contributing to someone who else is contributing to their field. Um, mm-hmm. Whether in like my OBGYN, she helps out with the, you know, the black community. She's a specialist in PCOS and she's like, she'll tell you, I'm a big girl. She, I remember her telling me, I'm a big girl too. I like chicken wings. I like to eat. I like to do all this. But she was like, you got to at least start by doing some water, drinking water. She was like, start by that. And it's so crazy because to this day, like um, she's still giving information, still helping. And, for me, 
when I say overcoming throughout this whole process. It, it, this book started because I went to the doctor and I went to oh. the gym. I went to the gym and I wrote to myself to keep myself going. I think the first month that I went to boot camp, I didn't take any days off. Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was going every day because I had a hard time like getting used to the movements, getting used to the exercise. I went faithfully for 30 days. I documented my journey in my books, my, my journals. Day amazing, day. amazing. And that's how I didn't even put everything that I wrote in my journals because I've been working out consistently for four years and so i only picked the most critical parts of of my journey um that probably broke me down mentally physically spiritually and emotionally that change was a big part that letting go i have lost friends and some of them we re, 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 reconnected but some of that i had to go through some moments where i had to separate myself from certain things it goes back to that letting go part letting right go. there. Because yes. sometimes not everyone and mm -hmm. things, sometimes they no longer serve you. Sir, that they can't go with you in that, that season. And for me, my friends that you know I was hanging out with, I love them to death. I was the big girl out of all of them. And I hated it. I hated it. And it had a lot to do with the self-esteem, the way I felt. I was a pretty big girl. But I was always put in the friend zone. Oh, Diamond, hook me up with your friend. Hook me up with this person. Oh, I like Oh, this wow. It was never, never. And I'm like, whoa, what's something wrong with me? And that's what I started thinking. So I realized that, you know, I, I had to make changes with my finances. That if I want to lose this weight, I'm going to have to. I can't go out and eat with y'all every day. I, I think for a, a point in time in my life I couldn't even go out to the clubs I couldn't do certain things I couldn't buy clothes at that time because I had to buy clothes for working out because at mm -hmm. first I started off with baggy clothes now I can walk around with a sports bra in the gym and I don't care what nobody got to say about me I can wear my fupa out where a time before that I wouldn't even dare walk around with it well you're overcoming girl overcoming. you're not thinking about any of that you are overcoming, overcoming. yeah so if anyone is um not if people who are listening now i encourage you to purchase diamond's book it's very inspiring i dropped the link in the chat section just now i dropped it as well it's in the show notes so you just click in the description box but i made it easy for you and I grab some pens and some crayons or paper because it's not just a regular book it has some resources in there to help you plan i put that case management in there that case planning in there for yourself so working towards setting your goals, working towards the things that you got to reflect on, the mindfulness, self-care, who you need to let go of during your journey. I put all of that in there um, for you guys. So it's a workbook as well. It's not so much of a book of affirmations, but it's also um, journaling, writing, because that's such a big part of healing. It, it, you know, I'm going to ask you semi-personal question. Mm -hmm. Because I experienced this. So when I have journaled, I don't, there's been a point where I don't like to go back and look at what I wrote. Have you ever experienced that? No. I have some of my journals from when I was in, in school. Really? I need to put I, my big girl panties on. Reflection is good. Reflection is good. I think I, I that's one of my, my chapters. <laughs> Reflect. 
Um, Go into that, the reflect part. Um, well, with that, sometimes I always believe people say, oh, don't look back. Don't go back. Don't get your you can go and look back at your past. Just don't stay there. Look back, but don't go back. Right. <laughs> and one of my mentees told me this. One of my mentees at Clark Atlanta told me this. She said, I'll never forget this today. If I, if anything, I remember she's telling me this. And I thought about it. I'm like, wow. And I said, that's all I do is I'll go back and look back. But I ain't going back there. I'm going to look back at what happened mm-hmm. to say, to look back at Cause how can you overcome if you are afraid to look back at where you're overcome from? Exactly. You know, it was such a dark place for me. Um, I'm getting yeah. better at it. Cause but before it I wouldn't. Little, it takes time. Yeah, it does take time. Cause there was a point where I would not, I wouldn't even want my fingers to touch the pages, but now go back and peek and, mm-hmm. But you know, I what? go back a lot. I go back and break up. I'm like, what? Well, I, I think of like even when I was in high school at elementary, when I liked somebody, I'm like, why did I like them? Like, Ugh, like, or well, I was tripping. What was wrong with me? I, I literally look back at some of the things I wrote in my journal. I'm like, and you know, I have to question myself a lot of times. But it makes me think of how how much I've grown as a female, or as a friend, as a family member, or even mm-hmm. as a, a partner. Well, you inspired me. So before I go to sleep tonight, I'm going to open up my journal and I'm just going to pick a random page. You and for real, you've inspired me. I'm going to go back and look because I know there's been growth for sure. Absolutely. Self-assessment. Yes, you have to assess yourself sometimes. You know, it's like that assessment when you go to the gym. You know, we both go to the gym a lot. We got to get out. How much have you worked out? How much do you work out? What's your fitness level? <laughs> yes. All of that. Uh, let me read a couple of comments and then we'll start wrapping it up. Mm-hmm. You're getting some love. Diamond Detroit support in the ah, chat. <laughs> That's Hi, <my> family. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Oh, Stephanie, I'm going to need you to subscribe to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together on the YouTube channel, ma'am. Please and thank you. That's one of our supports there. She's bomb, bomb, phenomenal. Oh, I love it. And also, Celeste says she loves it. I love it, too. I hope you follow me. I got to follow you, Celeste. Yeah, she's amazing. She's been my mentor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's amazing. Stephanie Strickland said, hello. Oh, you subscribed already. See, Stephanie's now my best friend. <laughs> Moving on. And, and Blind Guidance Wife said, we didn't know any better. That's our excuse. Ooh. Yes. That hit. That hit. That hit. Um, yeah. So Celeste said, said, yes, subscribe. That's right. Listen to Celeste. <laughs> and Blossoming Globe said, I I haven't gone back to my entries either. But yes, thank you for the encouragement. Reflection equals growth. Yes. See, <laughs> yes. someone, because I'm doing this live. Can someone put some light bulb emojis in the chat comment section for me? Help, help me out. I always tell everybody, if you have any vibrating moments that made your soul just rattle in a good way to put some light bulb emojis. So someone do that for me, please. Because obviously 
Blossoming Globe also felt that as well. Yeah. Well, we're going to start wrapping it up. Any words of encouragement you'd love to end with? Um, the one thing I will always say to everybody is just, um, I'm going to stick with the one scripture. And I'm going I'm, I'm to stick with this the scripture that I read every day. The scripture that I apply to my life is perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you forget anything, just continue to persevere. Remember, as long as you persevere, you can overcome anything that's possible. And that keep reading your story. It's your story. God knows how he wrote your story. He knew your yeah. story before he made you. And you got to go through it to get through it. And you got mm. to be able to persevere. Whatever's challenging you in your life right now, um, it's a test. Still celebrate it. Still embrace it. But make sure you finish it. I love that. Make sure, ooh, make sure you finish it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sure we get so tired and just fall out. We're just done. Did you read my book? <laughs> Spirit attracting spirits, sis. <laughs> Lord, I'm sitting here like, Shannon must have read the book because. Uh, Talk to me. Oh, I want to so hug you. I want to give that you a so crazy. And I'm not already got to cry because I'm like, I literally said that in the book. I remember just writing that in the book. And I said, it's, it's okay to slow down. It's okay when you get tired, but you better not give up. And I was think I wrote that a day when I was getting ready to just give up on working out. I was done. And wow. I just slowed down and I kept going. So you have to apply that to your real life. No matter how hard it gets, you bet not quit. <laughs> just oh. gotta slow down, slow down. <laughs> but don't let don't don't finish it. If you as long as you finish it, that's matter. But don't get, you know, you're gonna get tired. Slow down and still keep going until you finish it. Then you can done. Diamond. That's why I, said, I said that. <laughs> That's not a coincidence. I swear. That's how spirit works. Yes. That oh, I want to give you a hug right now. <laughs> oh. So crazy. <laughs> so I'm gonna read a couple more comments. And uh Stephanie says she's proud of you, Diamond. Uh-huh. And thank you. Yes. I don't know. Can you see the comments? Yes, I can see him. Oh, good. And Blossoming Globe said, God knows my story. Yes and yes. Mm-hmm. And Blind Guy and his wife, finish it. Yes. Finish mm-hmm. it. And uh, let's see. So many women have the same sentiment. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. I tell people all the time, like, people think, oh, you have overcome. No, I'm still overcoming. And I, I put that on every page. I put uh, every page all the way from the front to the back. I am overcoming because at the end of the day, it don't stop. You're going to still have trials. You're going to still have tribulation. You're going to still be some things that's going to happen in your life, but you have to overcome it. It doesn't stop. Just because you finish or you meet this goal don't mean that another goal ain't about to come to you. You want to hear a funny story? Mm-hmm. Story time. <laughs> so... A couple years ago, my therapist, she had discharged me. You know, we had the goal set and they were accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to one of my friends and I was telling her, <laughs> we were just talking about healing. I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. 
you know, I was discharged from therapy. I am healed. And she was like, what? She was, <laughs> she just laughed. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. And I was very serious. Like, oh, no, I'm good. No, ma'am. Yes, I am good. But the healing did not stop. I thought I was done, but that was here. But as I continued to grow and peel back more layers, there was some more stuff stuck on. Just like you and I talked about how Black families tend to sweep issues and situations under the rug. And then that rug is so big, we just go through life tripping over it. Yeah, that was me. Yes. Yes. So, I, I, I agree. I, mm-hmm. I totally agree. And even just like you say, okay, wait. And I say this, and I'm saying this wholeheartedly. Anybody that has been sexually abused, sexually mm-hmm. assaulted, um, they still have to go through. I still go through therapy for it. Sometimes it's sometimes I, and you know, when you study the field of social work, therapy, counseling, it's like you, like we already know what, what's going to happen. So, Luckily, with my therapist, she kind of blew me at her. Like, I was like, oh, she real good because I was expecting her to do this and do that based off, you know, what I learned in school. And I remember, um, you know, sometimes we, I don't know how we all get on the subject. And I'm like, why are we all here? And then I realized that a lot of times it's just like the stages of change. Mm-hmm. You have relapses. So you have relapses even when it comes to therapy. Therapy, you think you're doing good, then you go shut back down, then you, you get, I mean, that's just life. I think I'm going through that now. It's like, you could feel like, or just like even me, or we're, we're at this level, but we still feel like we're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the phases, it's going to happen. So with therapy, like what you said, you thought everything was peaches and cream. No, it just, and I'm comparing it to your doctor. You have to keep going to the doctor all the rest of your life. You got to keep getting annual physicals or yeah. every day, every year of your life until you leave this earth. Same way with fitness. People think because you go and get a surgery done that you don't have to work out or you go, you lost all this weight, you don't have to work out anymore. You have to maintain it. So you have to keep going mm-hmm. in order to maintain it. So it's the same thing when it comes to mental health. You have to keep getting those outlets. You have to have that support. And it may look different from the first time you did, but at the same time, you still have to have somebody to talk to. You still have to have somebody to hold you accountable. And I tell people that about therapy all the time. With therapy, it's not about what you're going to go in there and it's going to be all uh, a lot of, and honestly, a lot of black people think that they go into therapy and they're going to just vent all their problems. And that's it. Yeah, I tell people all the time, if your therapist is not holding you accountable, that's not a good therapist because my th- therapist will hold me accountable. And she'd be like, hold on, let's come back at this. Or this is the assignment that you want, want, I want you to work on. And I won't understand why she had me working on it the next week. And then I come back and I say, that's why you had me working on it? Light so, bulb moment, light yeah. bulb. So I say that just to say, you treat your mental health just like you would treat your physical health, just like you would treat your... Um, Spiritual health. You're gonna still have to, you know, seek to God in times of good and bad. So uh-huh. yes, it's a it's a cycle. It's the cycle of life. It really is. You know, oh, you really making me think. Let me tell you the revelation I just had as you were you were talking. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let me get my light bulb emoji. I just now realized when I finished there when I was discharged the first time with, with therapy. 
that I had finally come to a place where I had peace. Mm-hmm. And it was just a breathing moment like, And I labeled it as, oh, yeah, I'm healed. But really, I was just catching my breath. Mm -hmm. Mm. I literally just thought about this just now. I was just catching my breath. But I wasn't finished. And then, like you said, a relapse. Just when A relapse. Just something from the past came up. I didn't even know it was their diamond. Mm-hmm. So I had to put on my running sneakers again and get on that track. And I'm still trying to get to that finish line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. This is wow. Everything in your life, if you, somebody's dealing with grief, like people, I tell people all the time, like, I know how it feels to lose a father, but I can never tell you how I feel to lose a mother. And I tell people all the time, if you lose a partner or whatever, people think, oh, you just, you go through the grief counseling, you're done. No, you need to keep going back because you're going to, it's not going to be a day that you're not going to miss that person. And you just totally forget about them. You still have to go and talk about how your feelings, how how you feel 10 years later after they pass, how you feel, you know, you still want to have that conversation. You still want to be able to hold that person to you, but also not forget them. But also you need to have those healthy conversations to be able to move to the next level of life. So it's the same way when it's when you're talking about that, when you're talking about anything as far as your life, your goals, or anything that you have went through or endured, you still yes. need to come back. And then going, it's all time all together. It's still go back to reflecting back, looking back at the past and how you move up, continue to move forward. Yeah, and you know what? I also to piggyback on that for anyone who is older, and if you hear uh someone who's younger than you, you can always learn. From someone despite their age. Because oh, yeah. I'm learning from you. I mean, I'm about to get busy in this journal later <laughs> on tonight. Because, yeah. And I just don't. I think sometimes we use. And I get it. Because I've done it. Use excuses. I don't listen to her. Him. Younger than me. What did they know? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, a, I was a big person that used a lot of defense mechanisms. To yeah. not even with the whole weight loss thing, like I was like, oh, well, I'm going to still eat because it, I literally thought this and it's crazy. I look at it and I'm like, I really thought that. I used to literally say, I remember senior year of college, junior year of college, I used to say, oh, I don't want no kids. I don't want no kids. I don't want no kids. I said that. I spoke that. I said I didn't want any kids because of the fact that I knew my fertility level was low. But then also, when I think about it, and this is how, like I said, I'm overcoming PCOS. I managed to live with PCOS. And I tell people all the time, it was a point when I was in grad school, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to just keep gaining weight because I'm I'm going to have kids now. And when I had kids, I'm going to gain weight anyway. And not realizing that gaining weight is going to make it worse where I won't be able to have none. And even with the PCOS, I'm a big advocate for, you know, making awareness of PCOS in the Black community for Black girls because I had the symptoms at 16. And at 16, I'm thinking, oh, I didn't have a cycle. If I didn't have a cycle, oh, I'm good. Because I can go to the game. I can wear this. I can do that. That's what I was thinking. And I was a Medicaid baby. So at that time, I, when I heard about PCOS, that's when I had got a full-time job. I had Blue Cross Blue Shield. And wow. I went to a black female doctor. Not saying I had a male um, female, a male, black male doctor who said, oh, you know, that's just because you're playing sports, you're playing volleyball, whatever. 
And it wasn't until I, I was 21 years old and I had got my own full-time insurance. And I remember her saying, you haven't had what? She was like, no, we're going to go test you for some stuff. And come to find out I had PCOS. Never heard of a day in my life. I had called, called every family member like, what is this? Like, what is going on? And I used, I, I used it as a crutch. I, and I mm. think that kind of propelled me into social work because I was sitting there and looking like, how can people hurt kids? And how can people have kids and they hurt them? And here, mm. you know me, I can't have them. And I love kids. And then I just believed that. And I talked and spoke that. And it was also the 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 thing where okay that black girl magic i can't be young with a kid i can't be i'm not gonna continue the single mother training my family i'm not taking on those curses i'm not gonna be a teen mom like my mother i said that those things and it wasn't until grad school where i was just gaining weight i my highest weight was 334 pounds i'm in my 200s now but i was 334 pounds excuse me uh she says she's in her 200s, but if you look on her Instagram, she moves like she's 98 pounds. <laughs> like, damn, girl. Yes. <laughs> this can move. <laughs> yes. But even with that, even even with the whole health situation, I say it for a reason because that's why I say I'm overcoming. Throughout this these four years, I've overcome a lot. I I have PCOS because I can't get rid of it. It's a syndrome. But I don't have the same thing. I have, I have I have a normal lifestyle of a, of a woman, like every month. But mm-hmm. also, I know when to expect <laughs> my monthly visitor. Right. You know, also, I would love for you to come on another yes. time so we can. I love what you said about having that you, yes, in the black community. So you got to overcome, and that's why I say this is a, when you put your goals in place. You can overcome so much more stuff that you didn't even expect. Yeah, we may have to do an overcoming part, like 2.0. <laughs> okay. I love that. You know, so I'm going to read a couple comments and then we really will wrap it up. Stephanie Strickland said, learn how to release and stand in your truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Celeste said, spirit speaks to us in different ways. We have to stay open to hearing so that we do not miss the messages we need to hear. Yes. That part. You know, a lot of us are so can be closed minded, guilty. I mean, I was I didn't think I was at the times, but I was because I used we all there. We all have, yes. But um We've listened to you tonight, so we know a little more. So there's there's Thank no excuse. <laughs> oh, you know what? Uh Diamond, mm-hmm. you qualify as a black girl that has her shift together. <laughs> yes. What about we? She said, what did it? Okay, that's a good one. No one's ever said that to me. I'm like, what is the winning? <laughs> you, girl, you always winning. I love, but I love that name, though. I love it. Well, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I promise you, I love it. I think when you follow me on Instagram, I was like, this is so cute. <laughs> Well, I'm the epitome of a black girl. And you know what? I had to get my shit 
together because I didn't realize how uh, low vibrating I was. I really didn't realize. I really had no idea. Hold on. Let me um do this real quick. All right. Yes. So anyways, I had to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. And as I had my shit, I was getting it together. That's when I had the mental shift and started shifting the way that my, my mind was and my thought process. I didn't realize I was as a negative person as I was, you know, it was a lot of negative self-talk, but I had no idea because it wasn't negative self-talk like, Oh, Ursula, you're ugly. It was other things. So it just went right over my head. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you don't go through that. We do. We do. And we don't, until we peel back those layers. And when I have beautiful guests on like yourself, you know, you just, uh, you learn, I learn every time I have a guest to come on and I'm going to end with this last comment. Celeste said, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Celeste. And on that note, you know, you all, thank you for tuning in. Thank you all for all your comments and listening to this awesome Girl Chat and Diamond, I'm honored you said yes, and I really hope you come back again. Yes, and I got to give you a shirt, because I want one of those shirts. Girl, I'll drop (laughs) that link in the description box, too. I definitely want one of those shirts. For sure. (laughs) I will get that info to you. But you all, make sure, click the links below so that you can purchase Diamond's book. Remember, support Black business, but more importantly, let's try to expand our mindset. Let's overcome. Let's have some affirmations for success. And with that being said, you all have a beautiful evening. And Diamond, you stay beautiful. You do so. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss God is heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. This 
of the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and beam with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. 2020 has proved that we must be prepared for the unexpected, which is why you should contact an Edward Jones financial advisor like Tom DeLeo Day. Contact him at 770-466-0031 to schedule an appointment. Tell him Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together sent you.